Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In this week's programme, we learn what makes New Zealand rowers so successful on the international stage. Argentina joins the new rugby championship. New coach Mike Hessen talks about the challenges ahead for the Black Caps, why Tamanu ponders rebuilding the Silver Ferns midcourt, and all White's goalkeeper and founding member of the Phoenix, Glenn Moss, talks about his return to Wellington. Rowing was the most successful of New Zealand's sports at the London Olympics winning three gold medals and two bronze in the total hall of 13. The sport is the highest funded among the high-performance sport New Zealand's targeted group, with over $19 million being poured into rowing over the past four years, producing a world-class rowing programme at Lake Karapiro. Barry Guy spoke to rowing New Zealand Chief Executive Simon Peterson and asked him if they could have asked for much more out of London. No, I think three golds and two bronzes exceeded our expectations and delighted for the athletes and our coaches who are both committed and dedicated to the cause of, of winning on the world stage. So we're, we're over the moon about the results. What do you think, if you could sort of look back the last four or eight years or 12 years or whatever, what could you put it down to, do you think? Well, research tells us that you've got to be in the top three in the world um, two years out from the campaign and, and certainly one year out and... For the last three years since Beijing, we've been tracking very well against that particular part of the research. So we came in with high expectations of our athletes, but they have delivered in a pretty hot environment. And you know, as we've seen in other sports, there's world records being being set in the heats and, and early stages. So the, the pace is really on. But um, over over uh, three Olympic campaigns now, we've really built up to this uh, medal hall of five for for this year. It's just very pleasing indeed. Is there like a high-performance model that you have, or is it individuals? What The high-performance environment at Lake Karapira is something quite special. It is um, a truly high-performance program. There isn't a participation base to it. Those that are with us um, living in Cambridge uh, are training twice a day, six days a week. The coaches are committed to living in Cambridge. Um, the expectations off the water and on the water are that you focus on international success. And every Wednesday... There's time trials against the world's best time for your particular boat class. So I think that, combined with the internal competition we have for places in our crews, um, all bodes well for the future and, and for our Olympic success going to Rio. I know other sports, cycling, they're trying to get that centralised sort of uh, set up. Um, you know, that's obviously the key, you think? Yeah, I think the centralisation means that you make a commitment well before you even hit the water. Uh, you, you move your life to Cambridge. You understand that when you trial and when you get selected that that's part of the deal. There's no special privileges given to anyone to be outside of Cambridge and, and working in the program. So there's a, an off-the-water commitment that starts very early on and then on the water um, there's such internal competition and such high expectations that, um, you know, it's a, there's no grey areas in our program. You're either succeeding and moving forward or you're dropping away and doing something else. So, you know, we're very pleased with the progress we've made and, and obviously we'll, we've created high expectations for Rio. 
Uh, yes, I was going to say, well, in the next step uh, starts now, but the next step probably started a long time ago, really, didn't it? Yeah, it did, and, and we were 80% through our Rio planning um, before we went into the London campaign. So now that we've got some numbers around the number of medals, it's just up to negotiations with High Performance Sport New Zealand about what the medal target will be um, and what funding will be um, tagged to that target. So, you know, we've got um, 14 Olympic classes in rowing. Uh, we had crews in 11 of those 14 classes here in London, and so we've got room to move on the men's eight, the women's eight, and the lightweight four. Um, but we've also got a number of other crews that we want to get up to up to that podium position as well. Uh, do you see many of you know the, the the athletes that you have at the moment moving on at all? Do you? I think there's a really good mix right now between some athletes who want to take a break, understandably so, and those that will. Um, be raring to go when we, we hit the deck back in uh, in November this year. So, you know, we, we've got a World Cup in Sydney at the end of March next year to start the next cycle. Um, and it is only three years until we've got to start qualifying boats again. So if you are going to take a break from the rowing program, it won't be a very long one because you get left behind pretty quickly. So, yeah, we've got a mix of um, some older athletes who, who want to take sort of six months to a year off, um, but they take that at their own risk, to be honest. You've got to think that High Performance New Zealand is going to look on you favourably uh, when it comes to funding. Yeah, we've had really good support from them um, in this last cycle and you know we've delivered against our medal targets. So yeah, I think the conversation will be a very pleasant one and um, a very forward-looking one. I'm quite keen on a, an eight-year plan rather than a four-year plan. So while we'll be looking for increased resourcing to add those three boats potentially to our programme, that weren't in London, um, the lure of an eight-year funding um, program over a four-year funding program would would be a highlight for me. Uh, a lot of uh, sports have said that they wouldn't they want more than just four eight. It helps with development uh, also. But I mean, rowing. If you look at say things like the Marty Carp, you must be pretty happy with developing uh, youngsters. Yeah, this year uh, what's been lost in the media is that we've actually um, picked our largest ever under-23 team that's just recently completed their World Champs in Lithuania. We've got five crews at our Junior World Champs starting on Monday next week. Uh, the Marty Cup continues to have around 1,800 participants each year, uh, which gives us a really solid base. But we've got a big dropout from there. But it just shows that the ones that are staying in the sport, we're providing a pathway where they can potentially medal at the Olympics. And we know, again, through research, that it takes at least two Olympic campaigns before you medal. Uh, Mahe, in a speech on Sunday night uh, at the end of our campaign, reminded everybody that it was uh, three Olympic campaigns for him before he got the gold medal around his neck. So it's quite an investment for the athletes and the coaches. R- rowing New Zealand must be just about the envy of every other sport in, in New Zealand. The, the setup you see seems to be just ticking along. Yeah, I think it's developed well since um, you know Robert Dell's success in 2000, since we centralised uh, a year later. So I think there are a number of sports looking at our model, looking at uh, how simple it is, but also the centralised aspect and, and the efficiencies and ultimately the effectiveness you get out of everybody walking in the same door every day. So, you know, with Bike New Zealand centralising to Cambridge as well, and, and I know Triathlon have flagged their interest in centralising the high-performance programme, I think there are a number of sports looking at our model, and, and we're delighted with that. That's the Chief Executive of Rowing New Zealand, Simon Peterson, talking to Barry Guy. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The new rugby championship kicks off this weekend, with the All Blacks playing the Wallabies in Sydney and South Africa hosting newcomers Argentina and Cape Town.
For Argentina, competing in the Southern Hemisphere competition is the culmination of five years of planning and negotiating, which began after the 2007 Rugby World Cup. The former Pumas halfback, Augustin Pichot, has played a large part in Argentina's inclusion, and he told the IRB's Total Rugby programme what the Pumas' inclusion means for the sport in Argentina. His words are translated. We originally said that we wanted our players to be playing in the Northern Hemisphere, but it was finally decided that we had our best chance at making it into the Southern Hemisphere. At that time in the Union, having just finished the 2007 World Cup, which was a great experience for us all, there wasn't really anybody who was in charge. Without really wanting to do it, I suddenly found myself faced with the responsibility of organising the Union. I had the task of changing the plans for the entire Argentina Rugby Union and restructuring the whole organisation. I'd only just stopped playing international rugby and already I found myself drawing the future of Argentine rugby with Morgan Buckley and Mark Egan at the IRB. That was something I really enjoyed, much more than I expected to. It began with a series of meetings and eventually led to a situation where I was travelling around the world trying to convince Australia, New Zealand and South Africa that Argentina was a reliable rugby country. We told them that the positives we had at our grassroots level could help us become a valuable asset to a tournament like theirs. We explained that we had the players to be competitive and that was something that we'd already proven. We also told them that we had solid and sustainable plans and therefore this could all be achieved. Many people helped us to change their mindset. It was very hard to convince them, but eventually we had their trust. And today the reality is that on the 18th of August in Cape Town, history will be written when we play our first match in the Rugby Championship. The Championship will undoubtedly challenge Argentina both on and off the pitch, but as their recent win over France proved, they'll be more than capable of holding their own. The talent has always been there, but now the infrastructure is being put in place to enable it to flourish. Argentine rugby currently has a very strong club scene. It's here that youngsters are being educated to be stronger and better than ever before, and we're producing more and more players. We have a high-performance rugby centre that's producing great results, such as at the under-20 level, and Pampers 15, who play in the Vodacom Cup. It's not just that they're winning, their physicality and quality of performance in match situations has improved considerably, and there are long-term sustainable plans for the next four, five, even up to ten years that were put into place four years ago. We also have the advantage of the national team playing in a regular competition now. We're convinced that the foundations are all here and that with focus, hard work and persistence, we can achieve great results. That's the former Argentina halfback, Augustin Pichot, talking through a translator. With a new coach on board and a few changes in personnel, the New Zealand cricketers are seeking some redemption in India and Sri Lanka over the next few weeks after their horror recent tour of the Caribbean. Mike Hessen's taken over from John Wright as coach, Wright having called it quits after less than two years in the role. Having lost the Test one day in 2020 series against the West Indians, the Black Caps now embark on a two-Test, two-2020 match tour of India before heading to Sri Lanka for the 2020 World Cup. Hessen's had little time to try and put things right, having just taken on the role, but as Ben Robinson learnt, he's certainly optimistic. Not a huge amount of time, but um, obviously keen to get started into the role, and uh, there's plenty to do, so, um, you know, large, you know, big opportunities, and that's probably the way I, I'm viewing it at the moment. Um, I think everyone's willing to, you know, to, to realise that we need to make some change, and, uh, you know, now's the time to start.
What, what do you think will be the biggest change that the players will notice between you and, and John Wright? Uh, well, we'll have you know reasonably different philosophies and um, in terms of you know how how we play the game, I guess. Um, so it'll be you know I've, I've sort of got a number of co- combination of ideas in terms of from different people I've worked with and, and over the last you know twenty years. So uh, I'll be bringing that to the table and, and working with the group. So I think uh, I think you'll find that the um, the players are involved um, in the side um, in terms of the the way things function and. And therefore, they'll take a bit more responsibility and certainly some accountability. So, um, I'm unsure exactly how the the previous um, regime worked. Obviously, John had his own his own style and method, um, and I'll obviously be looking to introduce my own. How do you go about boosting a side that that's obviously lacking self confidence? Oh, I think a lot of that's um, individual. You know, making sure guys are uh, are really clear in their own game plan. Um, and if they're not, then obviously that needs to be discussed and worked through. Um, it's you know, very important that um, people are clear in terms of the role and, and responsibility sort of surrounding that role. And, and I think once you give players clarity in that, then um, you know, if, once they start to be successful, they can gain confidence through that. You know, every successful side in the world has a you know, really strong leadership group, and, and that, that includes sort of on the field and off the field. So I guess once you feel like you're engaged in, in the side, then you, you, know, you probably feel more willing to contribute. So um, certainly... Um, you know, keen to involve you know a, a number of players, um, you know, in assisting the team and and helping drive that forward. Now, just looking at the selection, particularly for the the twenty twenty squad, uh, there's the notable reinclusion there of Adam Milne. What what's brought him back to the scene? Adam sort of brings a, a skill set that I think will suit the the subcontinent conditions. You know, he he does have pace, but that's it's only one element he brings. Um, he's also a pretty clever bowler and, and got you know a number of different changes of pace. So he's um, you know he, he's young, um, but he's extremely uh, skillful and and certainly keen to to give him this opportunity. James Franklin's had his international career rejuvenated. Uh, of course, he wasn't wanted for the for the Caribbean series, but you're obviously a fan. Yeah, I, you know I've seen James play over a long period of time and. Uh, I think he's a, you know, I think he's a quality player. Um, he certainly hasn't got the numbers uh, that suggest the qualities that he has, and, and I'm sure he'd be one of the first to admit that. So, um, this is a, you know, great opportunity for James. Um, got a lot of confidence that he'll he'll grab it with both hands. We always want, you know, quality people in our in our group and people that understand their own game. And, and I guess you you generate that, ex, you know, that that knowledge through experience and. And James uh, has played in a lot of different competitions, um, you know, large number of playing conditions around the world. So he's he's suitable in most conditions. Um, his batting, you know, he plays pace bowling um, very well, uh, and he's also developed his, his ability to play spin um, through the last sort of three IPLs, and, and certainly got a huge reputation over there. So uh, he'll, yeah, he'll be a key player for us. But is it mainly as a batsman that you'll use him? Uh, he, he'll be picked as a top six batsman who bowls. So he, he's obviously with losing Daniel Vittori and, um, you know, it's always nice to have another all-rounder there to, to give you that balance in the side. Now, one thing John Wright did mention on his departure was that he had doubts about how well the the top six batsmen can handle spin, and that's certainly what they're going to be facing in India. So how do you think they'll go? It's not a new issue for New Zealand cricket, you know, um, Obviously, New Zealand cricket's had a number of A tours over to India in recent years to try and expose, you know, as many players as we can to those conditions. But 
um, you know, playing quality spinners in India is difficult. Um, there's no question about that. And, and it's quite hard to, to replicate um, in Lincoln in the middle of winter. So, um, yeah, we, we do our best to, to generate those that sort of opportunity for guys to work out their game plan. But, um, you know, the first few days we spend over there will be really important in terms of guys firming down their plans and how they're going to play the spin. Will there also be, a, I suppose, a chance for the spinners in the New Zealand team to actually learn a bit from the Indians? Yeah, without doubt, and I think um, you know both Taryn and Jeetan are um, you know are students of the game and, and like to talk to opposition players and, and source some knowledge from them. So um, I know, you know Jeetan's been to India a number of times, and um, he's he, you know he's bowling superbly at the moment for Warwickshire. So uh, certainly keen to see how he goes. You know, it is, it is a fresh start, um, and that's the way you know I'm sort of looking at it, and, and hopefully uh, the players are too. You know, it's a chance to get a fresh set of eyes on things and. Uh, you know, start to get some of that confidence back. That's new Black Caps coach Mike Hesson talking to Ben Robinson. The Silver Ferns are winding up a week-long trial in Auckland as coach Wai Tamanu confirms her squad for next month's three-test Constellation Cup series against Australia. The biggest selection headache for Tamanu was the midcourt where the departure of three seasoned campaigners has left a big gap. Leanna Leota and Jolene Henry are taking time away from the game for family reasons while Timapara George has retired leaving Laura Langman as the only mid-quarter remaining from last year's World Championship team. Joe Porter spoke to Tomano about who might join Langman in the mid-court. Deliberately there are a lot of mid-quarters here, so there are a lot of people to look at. Um, I'm pleased with the quality that we've seen, probably still not down to the, the, the final few who will surround Laura in the test matches. Last year, played Australia six times, yes. two victories. Yes. Obviously looking to come up on the right side of the ledger this year. What, yep. I guess, has to change from your point of view? We need to do some work in the mid-court. I think that will help us to lift the number of attempts that we have on goal. We've got really accurate shooters and defenders who get ball for us, and if we can do some um, more accurate work through the middle and perhaps some um, quicker work through the middle, then I think that that will help. The Magic's win over Australia, obviously mm. the first uh, time we've won the Trans-Tasman competition, yes. a team from New Zealand at least, and breaking that hoodoo in Australia the Trans-Tasman teams have struggled a bit over there. The Silver Ferns haven't in the past, but does that have any relevance, the Magic sort of watershed victory? Certainly, I think, and in particular, I thought that the mental skills that the Magic showed, their resilience, their ability to come back at the end, all of those are things that I would really want to those senior players from the Magic to bring into our team, and I would imagine that that would translate pretty easily. And as far as judging what Australia are going to be like, is it a bit too early to say that sort of thing? Have you been looking at what they're potentially going to be like? I think it is too early. Uh, Lisa's named a squad of 15 to travel the whole time, so she has a lot of variety in there. And they have a pr- about three teams, three, three players per franchise. So they've got quite a spread. So the likelihood that they bring you know, a particular franchise style in is pretty slim. And a bit of a new era. It's going to be the, the Y versus Lisa era rather than the Ruth versus Norma, I it guess. Is. Um, you're looking to stamp your dominance on this one Look, it's not about me, and, and I know that Lisa feels the same way. I think she's a great coach, and um, we have a, a really good relationship, but um, it's not about me, it's about the players. The series that's coming up, you've got two tests in New Zealand this time round. Does that give you an advantage? In the past it has. Um, I think in preparation for the long term, we just have to view them as tests because we will play um, the Com Games and World Champs out of New Zealand again, and so we have to be good at doing that. What have you noticed from your senior players, I guess, so far at the trials? Just having the youth and the exuberance around them sort of make them lift their game a little bit? 
Well, our senior players, Laura and Casey, aren't that old. Um, so, yes, it has. It's been great to have some new faces, um, but I, I've been particularly impressed with Laura and Casey stepping up, taking on leadership roles. I think they've really grown in the last couple of years, and I'm looking forward to watching them grow some more in the next few. I guess it's been a little while since the Silver Ferns have been together. I mean, what's your sort of first take on it all? You said it was a little bit sluggish yesterday, but things look like they're heading in the right direction? I think so. Um, and look, it's always exciting to be with this group. They're great netballers, and you know, as a netball coach, to walk in and know that you're going to work with these great netballers is always exciting. And in terms of injuries and fitness levels, how are they looking? Fitness levels look very good. Injuries, um, we're always managing one or two things, but uh, nothing, nothing major and certainly nothing that precludes people going on the court. Games are still, I guess, just over a month away. We've got plenty of time to, to prepare this time round. I guess that gives you guys a, a good step in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. And um, really important that we use this time wisely because further down the track, when we look at common games and world champs, there isn't that preparation time. So although this is preparation time for the upcoming test series, it's also longer term. It's a preparation time that we have to put in the bank for further events. And the team's not named till Monday, is it, I believe. But any uh, potential bolters that have grabbed your eye so far? No, a couple, but um, I wouldn't want to raise anyone's hopes and then dash them. So yeah, there are a couple of bolters that we're looking at at the moment, but um, I'm naturally rather conservative, so I'm not sure how many that will turn into. <laughs> Any areas of the court in particular? Oh, particularly the mid-court. That's Silver Ferns coach Wai Tamanu talking to Joe Porter. The Wellington Phoenix have headed off on an A-League pre-season tour to Australia and India. They'll play five games in two weeks, the first of which is against the Newcastle Jets. They'll then head to India to compete in a four-team tournament near Assam in northeast India. There are several new players at the club this year, including All-Whites keeper Glenn Moss, who was a founding member of the club back in 2007. He's subsequently played for Melbourne Victory and Gold Coast United before returning to Wellington this year to renew his competition with Mark Paston for the starting spot in the side. Glenn Moss spoke to Barry Guy about his return. It hasn't changed much since I, since I left, so... It's good to be back with some familiar faces and you know, Ricky and the boys. So pre-season is going well and looking forward to getting over to India and playing a couple of games. And, of course, your, your well, rivalry, is it? I mean, trying to get a, a starting spot for keeper? Uh, we're teammates, first of all. So, uh, yeah, of course, we're two guys going for the same position. But, yeah, we've supported each other, me and Pasty, since, since day one. And uh, we'll continue to do the same. You like that, obviously, but that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. You'd rather be working day in, day out with a world-class keeper and, and a close friend as well rather than someone you, you don't really fancy. So I'm uh, enjoying training, and it's good to have Jonathan Gould back uh, training us as well. And how have you found the, uh, the environment here and, and how it's gone for you? Yeah, the culture's great. The boys get along really well, and you know that shows on the field and in their games over the last couple of years. So... Yeah, it was pretty easy to come back in, into the mix and looking forward to getting out and getting some game time under my belt. So you've got this uh, trip, pre-season trip coming up in Newcastle and then and then off to India, something new? Yeah, it is, mate. It's, uh, it's nowhere I've been before and I'm sure it'll be a, a great experience. So, again, it's all about getting games under our belt and, and trying a, you know, a new culture and new experience. And from what I hear, the standard of football is quite good over there as well. So that'll be an interesting trip. Exciting in a way? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think, again, you know, you get those experiences under your belt and, you know, they make you a, a better person, not just a better footballer. I imagine you've had to go through a bit of 
you know, get shots and those sorts of things, have you? Yes, yes, mate. Uh, yeah, injections and immunisations and, and things like that. So uh, I think I was pretty well covered with the national team. We've kind of been to South Africa and uh, the islands and things like that. So I think it's for a few of the Aussie boys that don't, don't get to travel much. I think it's a bit of a shock for them. And so, you know, the aspirations for uh, the season personally for you? Yeah, again, just to, to help the team out. And, you know, the, the, the side's done so well over the last couple of years, getting so close to a final. And, you know, I know that, that that's the aim of everyone here is to get in a grand final. And, you know, even even more hosting it in Wellington, I think, would be something, you know, to dream about. So, yeah, do what I can, mate. And internationally as well, there's a bit... Um coming up uh, obviously for the you know the all whites in the future yeah some big games mate we obviously uh, the next stage of qualifying for the world cup so yeah we need to put what happened uh in the solomons behind us at the nation's cup and, and now make sure we uh we qualify for the world cup you know do you look back at that and what happened there is just a you know a blip in a way or, or yeah hopefully mate hopefully when we're uh, on the plane to brazil to the, to the world cup we can look back and think of it that way um of course it was pretty disappointing um you know, it's, it's a lot harder than people think, though, going there and in the middle of your off-season and having to play against, um, you know, very strong, improving opposition that are, that are well-coached and well-trained. So, you know, again, we've hopefully learnt from that and then we can take the next step forward. And the A-League, I know it's only the pre-season, but you're looking at the... Although the contenders seem to change a bit in the A-League, don't they? They always do, mate, and I'm not sure the TAB gets it right uh, most of the time. But, yeah, again, uh, sides like Melbourne and Perth are recruiting well. So, uh, mate, who knows? You, you can't really pick a favourite at the moment. Uh, the A-League's so tight. It always has been. There's not much difference from first to last. So I think it's going to be another tight year. That's Glenn Moss talking to Barry Guy. The Phoenix will complete their pre-season program against A-League newcomers Western Sydney Wanderers in Christchurch on September the 23rd with their first competition match against Sydney FC in Wellington on October the 6th. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. If you have any queries or suggestions, you can email us at sport at radioNZ.co.nz. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.